I like to talk about forgiveness kind of like a, a coin. There's two sides to every coin, isn't there? And there's the, the one side of forgiveness is the art of receiving forgiveness when we need to be forgiven. But the flip side of that is the art of forgiving others, giving forgiveness. So there's, there's two sides, and I like to call it the art of forgiving because I think it's something that we're supposed to get really, really good at. It's something that makes all the difference in our lives because I believe that when we have a clear understanding how we can receive forgiveness because that involves what Jesus already forgave us and how he loves us unconditionally, then we will be empowered to effectively forgive others. You know, the devil wants you self-focused instead of forgiveness-focused. He wants you to walk around with your tail between your legs feeling guilty and ashamed of yourself and think, God's so disappointed with me, I always mess up. And he says, come here, mess up. I love you. I love you. And the truth is that he wants, the devil wants you to be sin conscious because when you're sin conscious, your eyes are on who? On you and your performance and how well am I doing? I don't feel very spiritual today because um, I'm in a bad mood. Well, get over it, all right? <laughs> I'm learning something that God is teaching me is that um, sometimes I feel really tired. I say, God, I don't know if I have it in me to prepare another message. I don't know if I have it in me to take this phone call. God, I'm really tired. Is it okay if I'm tired? And he says, that's okay, but your flesh is tired and your mind is tired, but your spirit girl's not tired. He says, would you start drawing from the well that never runs dry? I'm not tired. That's what I hear the Holy Spirit say. I'm not tired. Let's go. And so when we... F when we override what is in our physical realm and we begin to draw our strength from that deeper place, the presence of God that is never tired, that is never weary, that is never um, um, willing to hold a grudge or can't receive forgiveness. Girls, in you is Jesus wall-to-wall -wall Holy Spirit in your born-again spirit. So I'm tapping in this morning, girls. I'm tapping in, and I'm asking you to do the same. But see, the devil wants you sin-conscious instead of Jesus-conscious. Because when your eyes are on you, you will have a hard time receiving what Jesus has already freely given us. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him, in him we have redemption. That is, our deliverance and salvation is through his blood. How many of you have been really enjoying pastor's uh, teachings on the blood of Jesus? Oh, my goodness. It has been amazing. So it's all about his blood, which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness. And here's the best part, in my opinion. The complete pardon. The complete pardon of our sin in accordance with the riches of his grace. God did not have to pardon us. We are guilty. We do mess up. But he chooses to forgive. He chose to offer the greatest sacrifice through his only son, Jesus. The perfect, unblemished lamb of God is what the Bible calls him. 
And it was only his blood that could pay the penalty that sin demanded. Because you know what? The penalty of sin, the demand of sin is death. Somebody had to die. Blood had to be shed. And it's not ours. It was Jesus that went to the cross to do that for us. And this verse says, we have been declared completely pardoned, exonerated, not because of anything that we deserve, but because Jesus did it because he chose to. And that's kind of an underlying theme here. Girls, living in the art of forgiveness involves an act of our own will. To receive forgiveness, you're going to have to release faith and decide and choose. And to offer forgiveness to someone who doesn't deserve it most of the time is also going to be an act of your will and the power to choose. But it's undeserved. It will always be undeserved. But God did it anyway through Jesus. And that means that our sins are completely forgiven. Let's look at Hebrews 9.12. Jesus went once for all. You know what? He does not have to die again every time you sin. Isn't that good news? All right. He went once for all into the holy place, the holy of holies of heaven, into the presence of God, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, having obtained and secured eternal redemption, that is, the salvation of all who personally believe in him as Savior. Are there any of those believers in the house today? All right. So this is for you. He did it once for all, and that's why he could say it's finished. But isn't this a beautiful picture? You know, we know that there's a, there was a tabernacle built, and there were different chambers, and there were all these uh, sacrifices that would go on not only daily, but especially the Day of Atonement, which was once a year. And it took the blood of goats and lambs and calves. It probably smelled like a big barbecue because they were burning flesh all day long. And yet there was that one special day where it took, they, the priest would go in and sprinkle blood in the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was. And it was so sprinkled on the mercy seat, not the judgment seat. Even in the Old Testament, I know sometimes we look at God and we think, you're just so mean. You are slaughtering people and you're judging people. You know what? He had to be a different kind of God because it was under the old covenant of the law. And we, we did a pretty thorough teaching of that not too long ago. But, uh, but we have a better covenant. God is going to do, uh, he did something for us that changed everything, and that's when Jesus died, sprinkled his own blood on the heavenly mercy seat. See that tabernacle that they carried around uh, in the wilderness, the children of Israel, was built to scale to uh, exactly the real ta tabernacle, which was in heaven. There's a real place that Jesus, after he died, he descended, then he ascended, and he sprinkled his own blood once for all. Say, once for all. And you know, the thing about the Old Testament was it was just a temporary thing. It only covered their sins. If you can imagine several bags of garbage up here, and if we took a, a, a red cloth and we just covered it over, and yes, you're seeing red, you're seeing blood, but it only covered that garbage. The sin was still hidden. It was still present. But you know what Jesus did? 
he not only, he did better than cover. He kicked it out and washed it away. And it was once and for all, no more would sin have dominion over us because he completely washed it away. And in that cleansing flood, you and I have been made completely forgiven, whole, and clean. Though our sins are as scarlet, he has made us what? White as snow. Okay, you're not going to go how I feel about snow. But white as snow, once for all. Guess what, girls? You're already forgiven. 2,000 years ago, everything that we could do, could think wrong, already have done and will do in the future was already taken care of. It was washed away. So why do we feel like we have to hang on our own cross of guilt and shame and pay for your sins? Get off the cross. Jesus died once for all, and he completely washed each and every one of us. Yes, we can still sin. Yeah, but you know what? You don't beat yourself up. I feel sorry enough. Woe is me, a rotten sinner. God, I can't even look you in the eye. I'm going to back into the throne room. I don't deserve to be here. Okay. God says, lift up your head. Walk boldly, fearlessly, confidently, right into the very throne room. I want an eye-to-eye, face-to-face encounter with you because I love you. And just, I, just so you know, that sin, it's already been washed away. In fact, I see you covered in the blood of Jesus. What are you whining about? Instead of begging God to forgive you because I'm so bad, 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 he looks at you and he says, you're already forgiven. So now my posture is, God, I blew it. I'm sorry, but I'm forgiven, and I'm going to walk in that and not in the guilt and shame, because who's, who's the one beating you up with the sin that he enticed you to do in the first place? What a vicious cycle, and what a scumbag the devil is. He wants you to do something. You listen to that little temptation. You do it, and then you realize, oh, oh man, that was bad. I don't want to do that anymore. And then he beats you up. He says, bad person, bad Christian, bad girl, bad friend, bad wife, bad mom. What a scumbag. Stop the crazy cycle and just know that you have already been made clean washed in the blood of Jesus. It's a powerful place to live, ladies. Hebrews 10, 10 through 12. Our sins are washed away, and we are made clean because Christ gave his own body as a gift. Oh, receive the gift. All you have to do is receive the gift, and it's yours. It's, a, it's in his own body as a gift to God. He did this once for all. There it is again. You don't have to be paying for your sins. Jesus already took care of it. All Jewish religious leaders stand every day killing animals. It's a bloody mess. And giving gifts on the altar. They give the same gifts over and over again. Because these gifts can't take away sin. It was a temporary fix, wasn't it? The, the animal sacrifice. But Christ gave himself once for sins. And that is good forever. Amen. Yes, and that's why after that was done, he sat down because he was done. It's finished, and it's a finished work for each and every one of us that Jesus, the precious Lamb of God, took our blame, our sin, our shame, 
so that you wouldn't have to. We are under a better covenant. Hebrews 8.12 says, I will be merciful and gracious toward their sins, and I will remember their deeds of unrighteousness no more. So when the devil comes back to you and tries to tap you on the shoulder and say, yeah, do you remember what you did back there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That defines who you are. You'll never be able to change the past. Uh, excuse me? Jesus changed my past for me. He washed it away. And so when he's trying to remind you to bring guilt and shame back to you, you remind him what happened at the cross. And Jesus completely defeated the devil and death and the sin, power of sin was broken. He says, I'm remembering your sins no more. You shouldn't remember them either. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. See, Jesus did it on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We have a little running joke in our house. We just say, good trade. If you know the movie, I'll give you 10 bucks. Good trade. <laughs> because we trade our sin. Amy, you don't count. And Jillian... You don't count. My daughter-in-law is here, too. She knows exactly what we're talking about. No, you do count, but you can't win. All right, anyway. <laughs> I have no idea what I was going to say. All right. <laughs> it's trading our sinfulness for his righteousness. Can it get any better than that? And that's the love of God in full-blown action. Yes, I should take a drink. There we go. <clears throat> Romans 5.17 says, For if by the trespass, which is a sin, of one man, Adam, death reigned through Adam, much more surely were those who received the abundance of grace. It has to be received, girls. It has to be received. And that's your chooser, your choice. You can walk around feeling like a lousy Christian all you want, or you can take on that identity that free gift of righteousness, and it will cause you to reign in life. It is your sure defense. I think we sang that this morning. His grace, his righteousness defends me against the accusations of the devil. Amen. So the art of forgiveness begins by learning to receive forgiveness for yourself. Learning to forgive yourself. Some of you are so hard on yourself. God is not hard on you. He wants to lift you up. He wants you to know who you are. He wants you to know how much he loves you. And you might be thinking, aren't I supposed to be feel, feel guilty? Well, I think we already talked about this. No, we're supposed to say, admit it, and then receive forgiveness. Not because you're so worthy, but because he's worthy, and now he's made you worthy to receive it. So that's the first half of our coin. Let's flip the coin. <laughs> Forgiveness is ours to claim. And knowing that you are completely forgiven, it will destroy the power of sin in our lives. Oh, I have one more verse to share. The words of Jesus in Luke 7 offers powerful insight because here was this sinner woman, and she 
found Jesus dining in, in, in uh, a, a home, and she came and she cried and washed her tears. Her tears washed the feet of Jesus. And these guests were saying, uh, if he knew who she was and what she did, he wouldn't be allowing her to do this. If he knew what kind of woman she was or is, uh, he wouldn't let her do that. But guess what? Jesus did know. He knew every detail about her life, every sin. We don't know exactly what that looked like. But Jesus read their thoughts, and we find in Luke 7, 47, he says, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, he, he called it out. He says, they're forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. So the more, <laughs> the, I guess what he's saying is, if you feel like you've just been this, hopeless sinner, when you discover the completeness of Jesus' forgiveness for you, you will love much because you will realize, and we all know, that we don't deserve it, but Jesus did it anyway. And so Jesus is saying, those who are forgiven much will love much. So we need to learn to possess our forgiveness, honor the blood that was shed for you once and for all. So let's flip that coin now. The art of receiving forgiveness. Now we're going to talk about the art of offering forgiveness to those who may have, who may have wronged us. But see, forgiveness, forgiving others is God's gift to you to set you free from Satan's strategy to keep you from loving. And it allows you to love in the face of real pain and real evil. I can say that every one of us here probably have something that's been done to us that wasn't fair, wasn't just, I didn't deserve it. Perhaps it made us feel like a victim. But I want to just share a story that recently that I walked through and I realized something, something happened, somebody did something, said something, and I was having a hard time forgiving this person. I know nobody here has ever been in that place. Nobody. But it was like, have you ever heard the phrase, you know, just keep forgiving them. Just keep forgiving them. But it just kept coming back. And I'm just, <laughs> did I read somebody's mail? <laughs> well, I'm reading my own mail. And so it was like, how many times a day am I supposed to be having to still deal with this thing? And I tell you what, it was exhausting. I was getting really, really tired. I know better. <laughs> You know, and I know what I'm supposed to do, but I couldn't seem to get past this. And I really didn't want this. I, I really wanted to be done. Let's just put it that way. And so I'm saying, God, one day on my way into work, I said, I am exhausted dealing with this thing. I want to get past it. How come I can't get past this? How come I can't just really release forgiveness for this person and move on? Because you know what unforgiveness does? It makes you stuck. And it also makes you tied to your past. It's like shackles and a chain. And now you are tied to that person and that event. And it will make you stuck. I felt very stuck. And I was just, I just got to the end of that. And I said, Holy Spirit, show me. I want to be free from this. And I heard the Holy Spirit so sweetly say, Karen, when this happened, you were wounded. And it was a deep wound. 
And I guess you could say I got my feelings hurt, but it, fe it was, felt like an open, festering wound. And it says you have an open wound infecting your soul. That's my mind, will, and emotions. Mm-hmm. I couldn't seem to clear this to get past this. But he said, until you get the wound healed, you will not be free to forgive this person. And I said, you're right. Of course he's right. <laughs> but I came to him and I said, God, please heal this wound. And you know what? That's his speciality, to heal deep wounds. And I just, I, I just, right there and then, it was a very quick, easy revelation. I see it. I'm going to receive it. I'm healed. It didn't take medication. It didn't take a prescription. I didn't need to go on vacation to get over it. Just Jesus. Just his Holy Spirit. Because a spiritual wound needs spiritual healing. My heart was wounded. And you know what? What happened wasn't fair, it wasn't right, but I didn't hurt anymore. And I said, God, I'm releasing this person. I'm no longer holding them responsible that they did something that wounded me, and they probably didn't even know that it hurt me so bad. They may not have even been aware of it. And you know, something very remarkable is how Jesus here he was so brutally beaten unfairly treated he was he was murdered for things that he did not do people lied against him it was unjust it was not fair it, he didn't even have to go through it but here he is dying a most horrific uh, shameful humiliating kind of death hanging naked on a cross between a murderer and a thief Never did anything to deserve it. And what does he say before he dies? He takes care of that one very important piece of spiritual business. Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. I just say, wow. Oh, the love of Jesus. But you know what? Even Jesus offered Forgiveness to those who did not deserve it. Can I just say that the art of forgiving others is the key to living in freedom so you're not shackled to your past, so that you're not unstuck, and it has everything to do with getting to your destiny where God wants you to arrive. But if you're going to hang on to reasons why this person who hurt me, they don't deserve it, and I'm not saying sorry, and I'm not forgiving them until they say it first, hmm. It's like drinking the poison and thinking it's going to hurt them. God wants you to release that. You might have justification. And if you are a very black and white person and believe in justice like me, Makes it all the harder, because it ain't fair. Why do I always have to be the one to forgive? Meh. <laughs> you know why? Because it frees me, and it frees you, and it's not worth allowing unforgiveness to be the rottenness in your bones and in your soul. It will begin to manifest itself in some ugh, really yucky ways. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Why? Because as the Lord has forgiven you, 
so you must also forgive. We have been forgiven much, ladies, and we never deserved it. It doesn't matter whether they deserve it or not. If you will release it, if you become really, really good at forgiving, you will be released from so much stress in our lives. Apparently, Peter was having a bad day and struggling with someone because he came to Jesus in Matthew 18, 21, 22. He says, Lord, how many times oh, do I have to forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven? <laughs> like Peter was saying, I'm doing a good job if I forgive this person seven times. Of course, Jesus put him in correction here. He says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And Jesus wasn't saying, get your whiteboard out and go, you know, forgive one, forgive two, three, four, five, 50, 60, 70, 77. I'm done. You don't deserve it anymore. No, what he's saying is that, you know what? It's always, always unlimited forgiveness the same way Jesus forgave us. Unforgiveness is a tool of the devil to steal, kill, and destroy. Because nothing will hinder you more to arrive at God's destiny for you like harboring unforgiveness in your heart towards someone or resentment about something. I just thank God that he has enabled us to walk in the same kind of forgiveness that Jesus did, even on the cross. And you know what I just say to you this morning? What do you want? How do you want to live your life? You can hang on to, oh, they did this to me. And you know what? Here's, here's some maybe the hard reality is that most of us will probably never hear those words, I'm sorry. But are you going to be wounded because that person will never say they're sorry? What do you want? What do you want? You can walk free from that whether they ever say they're sorry or not, whether they ever realize what they did to you. It's not about justice. It's not about revenge. It's about getting free. And let me just say this. When you release them and you give them over to the Lord's work and you walk in love toward them when they don't deserve it, guess who also can be changed? Now you're an agent to help free them. We say this a lot in Freedom Ministries, hurt people hurt people. Have you ever hurt anybody out of your own hurt? We certainly have. And then we say, free people, free people. You get free from your hurts, you'll help somebody else get free from theirs. But I love to say, forgiven people, forgive people. And help others learn to walk in true Forgiveness. That's freedom, ladies, because forgiveness is a choice. We choose to forgive even when it's not fair, when we've been wrongly accused. But see, you're not free from the offense until you choose to forgive. There's a um, Colossians 3.13 in the Passion Translation says, tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith. Like, what? I'm nobody's doormat. How about being an agent of peace and change and freedom for these people? Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith. Forgiving one another in the same way that you've been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. Because that gift of forgiveness was already released to you. 
It is a serious, serious thing. Let's talk about offenses. Every one of us every day has many, we have many, 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 many opportunities to be offended. And if you find yourself getting your feelings hurt a lot, I'm, I'm speaking to you. Because that's no place, to, that's no way to live either. Again, what do you want? You're going to walk around feeling hurt all the time? I just, we just sat down with a, a staff person here, uh, and Rachel and I were planning some of the food for whatever events. We have a lot of that coming up, right? And I think it was Rachel who said, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I should have taken care of that. And he looked at us, and he says, I cannot be offended. He says, you can't offend me. He says, I'm not offended. I'm unoffendable. I said, yes, I like that. Let's make that word up. You don't have to pick up every offense, even when people are being unconsciously offensive. That's their problem. You do not have to receive offense. And I know it's so corny, but that's the way I look at it. Picking up offenses, put them in my pocket. Picking up offenses, put them in my pocket. I'm so offended because every time somebody does something offensive, I just pick it up and I wear it on my sleeve and everybody knows I'm hurt, I'm mad. I did. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not sure I want to be around a person who's always mad and offended, okay? So let's learn to stop picking up offenses, and I'm not just making that up because God said the same thing in Proverbs 19.11. He says, good sense and discretion make a man slow to anger, and it is his honor and glory to overlook a transgression or an offense. Learn to overlook it. Say, I'm sorry that you spoke out of your hurt Maybe I can pray for you. Maybe I can love you. Maybe I can show you goodness. And you're going to look at me and say, oh, I didn't deserve that. Maybe that'll help them. And it says, don't pick up that offense without seeking revenge and harboring resentment. Overlook it and make a choice. Don't be like Velcro where everything sticks to you. So we, some of us here are going to have to give up our victim card. Because things have been done to us. That's called a trespass. Somebody overstepped. And as a result of our fallen world, you were hurt through someone else's very terrible, poor choices. See, here's the deal. You don't have to live it with your victim card. You can trade it in for a victor card. You can be made victorious no matter what people have done. And it's not because they deserve it. It doesn't uh, depend on whether they've changed or not or whether they realize how bad they hurt. And sometimes we just want them to hurt as bad as they hurt us. But let me tell you what, that's again, drinking the poison. It only hurts you. If you want to be healed from that time that you became a victim, you're going to have to pull out that victor card and say, in the name of Jesus, because I know I've been forgiven much, I am going to choose to do the hard thing here, and I am going to choose to forgive that person so I can be released from that thing that no longer defines me, no longer chains me to my past, so I can walk toward my destiny. And what you just did is you took them off. You've been hanging that person on your hook of responsibility and accountability. 
And now what you've done is you've taken them off of your hook and put them on Jesus' hook. Because Jesus wants you free, and he wants them redeemed. Not revenge. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You're going to have to drop all your judgments. Hebrews 12, 15 says, watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace and make sure that no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within because it will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. There it is. Unforgiveness is poison. It's poison. James 2, 13, I just quoted. Remember that judgment is merciless for the one who judges others without mercy so by showing mercy you take dominion over judgment like here's the thing you are not accountable to god for what somebody else did you are only accountable to god for the way you're going to respond you let god deal with them in fact get out of the way and release them over to the work that only god can do amen one last story. You know, there was a, something that happened, and I wasn't even directly involved, but I became so offended because I'm going to protect those who were wronged, you know. And I did it by being very angry. And instead of wanting this situation to end in a peaceful resolution and relationships restored, I wanted the perpetrators to hurt just as much as they hurt this innocent person involved. I was really angry. And it became bitterness in my soul. I began to hear things coming out of my mouth that were really very negative and critical and always tearing down the people that I felt were guilty and defending. I'm the defender, you know, of the week. I'm not. But I was taking that position. And this went on for some time. And a couple of times my husband would just kind of look at me and say, Karen, you know, that's not like you. Well, yes, it was. Because this is wrong and it needs to be corrected. And these people need to know just how bad they've been uh, treating other people. And... One night, it was kind of like everything kind of came together, and um, I found myself with such a horrific migraine headache, and I'm going to stop right here because no one in this room or outside this room could tell me that God gave it to me to get my attention. God doesn't give migraine headaches. He already healed them on the cross, but guess what? The venom, in the poison in my soul was beginning to manifest itself in a very physical way, and it will. Medical science will prove that. I had somebody say, don't you think I was getting your attention? They said, no, I don't. That's not my God. I don't serve a God who does that. He doesn't borrow from the devil's uh, dirty tricks to teach me anything. If I had just listened to the Holy Spirit, none of this would have happened. So it was starting to manifest in a horrific headache, and I literally was crawling in the middle of the night, and I didn't know what to do. I could hardly think of my husband, I believe, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, operating in a word of knowledge, he just looked at me. He says, Karen, you need to forgive. And I knew it was right. And I wa he walked me through forgiving, releasing 
the people who were guilty did something that was, in my mind, so unfair and so unjust. And I released them. And I did forgive them. But then he said, no, pray a blessing over them. <laughs> it was a true test. And I did. I did. And so I, the headache went away, ladies. It did. And did it get my attention? Yeah, I didn't have to go there, but I did. But what do you want? God is asking us this morning. Holding a grudge becomes a greenhouse for this root of bitterness to grow and begin to bear bad fruit. So right now, let's just bow our heads. Father God, I just thank you. You brought us to a place perhaps to even recognize some things that we need to release. And so as we discuss at our table, I pray, Lord, that you prepare us for a time that we're going to be able to release and receive. Some need to receive forgiveness because they haven't been able to forgive themselves. And others need to be able to offer forgiveness where there has been hurt or a grudge or an offense. And so as we prepare for that moment, I just thank you, Lord, that you are doing a mighty work in this place because it's for freedom that you have truly set us free. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.